We should never, ever forget what is our heritage, our birthright, being an American, what that really means, and how blessed we are to have what so many do not and strive for. Now, I can't say that I always agree with everything that our nation does and with every choice our leaders make, but I am so glad that I'm an American. Would you pray with me? Father, we want to pause and thank you today for our nation. We know that your hand has been upon our land from the very beginning. And it may seem in these days of culture shock that we've drifted far from you. And so, Father, draw us back not only as individuals, but also as a nation to you. We thank you and we praise you for the blessings, for the freedom that we take for granted. We thank you for those who have died or who have served and faced death to make our freedom possible. We thank you for the rights that we so quickly forget come at a price. Father, I pray that your hand would be upon our nation, would be upon our leaders. They would draw their wisdom from you. Their choices would honor you. And I pray that we would never, ever take freedom for granted. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in a series entitled, Follow Me. Today's message, appropriately enough, is entitled, Follow Me to Freedom. Now, we all have one thing in common, at least in my mind today. As we sit in this place, we all have a history, right? We all have a past. And unless you're just extraordinary, there have to be some things in your past that you regret. There has to be some choices that you've made that uh, you wish you wouldn't have made, some decisions that kind of were destructive, uh, some shame, some guilt, some just tough times in your life some seasons in your life that you'd rather not remember. Anybody here not have a past? Good, no one can leave. You need to hear this message. And the problem with having a past is that in a couple of ways, it just kind of creeps up and bites you, doesn't it? Uh, When you're alone and thinking and pondering and, and, and it's quiet and Just when you least expected, the devil reminds you of your past. There are other times uh, when people help remind you of your past. He's just coming forward. (laughs) He's showing the way for the rest of you later. There are times when the devil reminds you of your past. There are times when the devil uses people to remind you of your past. I know all of us have... uh, some exciting and yet embarrassing stories, things that you'd rather not repeat, things you don't tell your children, right? I remember my junior year in high school, 
I was dating a young lady, and she uh, lived in a town in Jessamine County called High Bridge. Anybody been to High Bridge, Kentucky? You know what they have there? A high bridge. That's how the town got its name. It goes over the Kentucky River, largest bridge over, or tallest or highest bridge over a, a stream that you can actually navigate. That's the claim to fame in Jessamine County. And this particular lady lived in the village, or young lady lived in the village of High Bridge. And I had gone to pick her up on a Saturday night. We'd had a great time. I can't remember what we did, and really it's none of your business. But uh, it, it, it got time to take her home. And so I started down the road to High Bridge. We got to her house, and I looked at my watch. We were a little early. So I just decided that we'd drive on down to the park by the bridge, and we would sit and talk and pray and meditate and, and all of those kinds of things that you do towards the end of a date, right? And so that's exactly what we did. And we were sitting there and, and, and in the darkness, and uh, I needed to lean in a little closer to her so she could hear me better. And about the time I leaned in, there came a knock on my window. And of all the things that I imagined, what really happened was worse. It was her dad. He invited her to get out of the car and to travel home with him. And he invited me to never show up again. And he didn't really couch it in those terms. There was, there was no friendliness in his voice. A year or two later, he forgave me, I guess probably because I had not seen his daughter again since then. And then we became friends. And every time I saw him, had to be another 50 times, he would always say to me, sometimes things will surprise you in High Bridge, won't they? Or, don't ever drive past a man's house with his daughter. <laughs> Last time I saw him in the nursing home, he raised up from his bed, said, remember that night I caught you and my daughter down in High Bridge? <laughs> no, sir, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't me. I think you've forgotten that. And when you do something maybe that you shouldn't have done, and it becomes knowledge it can be brought up from time to time, can't it? And that's what happens in so many of our lives. We have these past events, past struggles, past mistakes, past sin. And we live with that every day. And I believe that following Jesus includes a clean slate. I believe that God doesn't want us to deal with the pain and the shame of our past. And I want you to focus with me this morning on one particular verse. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. And it says very clearly and concisely here, here's what God thinks about your past. When you follow Christ, here's what happens to your past. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... What's it mean to be in Christ? It means that you have a relationship with Him, that you are connected to Him, that your beliefs 
your lifestyle are based on Christian values. You're in Christ. You're following him. Anyone who's in Christ, the new creation has come. Now, I want to stop right here for a second and and just tell you something I think is very important. It is a fallacy that you are a forgiven version of your old self when you come to Christ. You're not a forgiven person and just like you used to be. That's not the only difference. When you come to Christ, you are a new creation. See the difference? You're brand new. Everything about you changes. The old is gone, the Scripture says, and the new is here. Well, if you accept that today, that you've been made brand new and you're following Christ, there are some things that are automatically yours as a result of the path you've chosen, as a result of the Savior that you've chosen. And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christ follower, you may know about him, but you're not really living that life. You're not really following him. I want to tell you about some things that can be yours. The first thing is this. You can walk confidently in Christ. You are a brand new creation because in Christ you are completely forgiven. Now, we have a difficult time with the concept of complete forgiveness. And I I think, first of all, we have a problem with that because more often than not, we understand God's forgiveness in the terms of our forgiveness. And uh, when somebody does something to me, when there's an issue between me and somebody else, when, 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 when I uh, know that I need to forgive them, maybe bearing a grudge or maybe just not, not talking or avoiding each other, eventually it'll, it'll come to my mind that i got to do something about that. I've got to go and offer or ask for or deal with this matter and, and forgive people or be forgiven. But unfortunately, when we forgive one another, we're still a little skeptical, aren't we? Uh, we're still watchful and wary. Uh, we kind of follow the axiom, you know, fool me once, but not twice. Yeah? So there's this effort at forgiveness, but it's never complete. We might forgive, but we don't forget. Uh, we might forgive, but we are always wondering when the other shoe will drop, right? Amen? Or do you guys completely forgive? Maybe I'm talking to the wrong group. And so when we see or hear that God completely forgives us, we're skeptical. We're skeptical. How can somebody do that? And we struggle in the present because of what we've done in the past. And until we learn to let our past die, that God's already taken care of that, that we're completely forgiven, that we don't have to think about it every day. We don't have to live with that every day. Matter of fact, I want you to write this sentence down. I want to I read it to you so I say it exactly right. If you don't let your past die, it won't let you live. If you don't let your past die, it won't let you live live. We have a picture back here of Robert Downey Jr. 
Nobody looks good in their mug shot, do they? Anybody here ever had a mug, mug shot that looked good? Well, you can't, I couldn't trick you. Robert Downey Jr. was into everything that he shouldn't have been. He was literally destroying his life. If you went to the Kroger store and you were checking out, he was on the front page of the Enquirer, the Examiner, and the Star. Joe Claxon told me about that. I've never looked in those magazines. He had a t- just a terrible past. And then he became a movie star again. Look what he turned into. Now he looks like me. Iron Man. You can move past your past. You have to realize that God wants to make you brand new. Back in the mid-80s, I got a brand new car for the first time, and it was an old Cutlass. It was white with blue racing stripes down the side. It was beautiful. I loved that car. I, you know, I was so proud of it, took it to college, had it in a parking lot, and somebody backed into my brand new car, maybe six weeks old, and put a huge dent in the fender. Every time I saw that dent, anger flared up in me. I got so mad. I, I tried to figure out, no way to figure out who did it. They didn't leave a note, anything. I'd forget about the dent for a while, and I'd see it again, and I'd get mad for six weeks or so. I was as mad as I could be. Anybody I saw, I told them about my dent and how mad I was. You ever get mad, and everybody you see, you just say, here's what I'm mad about, like they care, right? When you stop and think about it, a lot of dents in our lives, aren't there? A lot of things that every time we think about them, we don't get mad. We feel this sense of shame, maybe a sense of inadequacy, sense of failure every time. The devil's pretty smart. He knows just what dent to bring up. May I remind you today that Jesus died for the dents in your life. That you are completely forgiven. Those dents aren't noticeable to God. It is so hard to believe that that can happen in our life. And so we live less than significant lives. We live burdened and broken lives, struggling with our past when God has already paid the price those dents. It's so difficult to really feel forgiven, but it may be the most important moment in your life when you realize the sufficiency of His grace. Secondly, not only do you get forgiveness, and not just any kind of forgiveness, complete forgiveness, In Christ, when you're a brand new person, you're valuable. You are valuable. You look in the mirror every morning, what do you see? Sometimes you're not too happy with what you see, right? 
If there was a mirror into our souls, it'd be even worse, I think. And it's so easy to to start to feel depressed, to start to feel like that you don't really matter. Most of our, 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 our walks with Christ are kind of marked by a lot of up and ups and downs, and, and, and one day we, re, we feel really good about ourselves, or we feel really good about our relationship with God, and we feel strong and wise, and, and we feel like we're just who we should be, but by the next day it can be completely different. Something happens that destroys our, our self-esteem, our confidence. Uh, we kind of lose faith. Maybe there's an issue or a problem that seems too big or too tough, and, and, and we kind of feel distanced from God, and we start to wonder, does God really love me? Or why would he let this happen in my life? Ups and downs. What God would have you to know is that in his eyes, your value never changes. And the value of a person or the value of a thing, would you not agree, is the price someone's willing to pay. Watching the Reds lose yesterday one to nothing. You watch that game? Kind of an exercise in futility. And, and probably the most futile player right now on the Reds is a guy named Joey Votto. Uh, from everything I've heard, Joey Votto is a great guy. He's got an injury now. He's having trouble. And the Reds are paying him, listen to me, $20 million this year to be futile. $20 million a year. Now, does it make sense to you that baseball players make $20 million a year? Teachers ought to make $20 million a year, don't you think? Amen? Or preachers. Yeah. yeah. I, or somebody who's doing something besides playing baseball. But the reason Joey Votto makes $20 million a year is that's what the Cincinnati Reds believed he was worth. The price of a thing determines its value. Now, we went to great lengths to demonstrate, to illustrate that very point. You watch closely. Your value is determined by what a person will pay for you. How valuable must you be to God for him to allow his son to die for you? You see, I think if we remembered that every day, I think if we focused not on the mess, but the Messiah, if we really thought about What God had done for us, we'd never feel less than valuable, would we? Never less than valuable. In Christ, we have value. In Christ, I am also, and you are as well, unconditionally loved. Now, there's a word before love that I want to take some time to explain to you. Because in reality, it is hard to love certain people, isn't it? Amen? 
You look around the room, you'll see what I mean. It's hard to love certain people. It's difficult for me to love telemarketers. I don't get on the phone and tell them how much I love them when they're trying to sell me something. I don't like Duke fans either. Now that I think about it, do you? I mean, I've got a list, and you've got a list, and, and, and sometimes on that list are specific people. And, and the reason I have a list and you have a list is because we're conditional with our love, right? If somebody is uh, uh, doing the things that we like, if, if, if they're performing the way we want them to perform, if they're loving us, it's easy to love back. But in reality... Every single person in this room loves conditionally. Conditionally. Let me tell you who I don't love conditionally. There are some folks in my life that I love unconditionally. There are four of them. They belong to me. I learned the lesson of unconditional love, I believe, for the first time in January of 1990. And I was standing in a birthing suite, ready to receive my firstborn son. And the doctor did what the doctor did, and, and I'm not going to go into the details, but all of a sudden, in the midst of the hubbub there, there was a brand new baby girl. Not a son, a girl. I had misread the ultrasound and painted the room blue. The doctor said she's happy, she's healthy, she's got five toes on each feet and five fingers on each hand. She's perfect. And in that moment, I understood it. I got it. My child. Got three more later on. Understood it again every time. Folks tell you about having a baby. They they say the first year is fun. Right? First year's fun. That's a lie. (laughs) There's nothing fun about not sleeping when you want to sleep. There's nothing fun about infamil and simulac and all the other gross stuff we pour down into babies. And as bad as it smells going in, let me tell you guys, it's a lot worse coming out. Now, Amanda, that first year, was a champion hurler. You could put the Simulac in, the Infamil, whatever it was, and before it would get completely down, she could hit you with it from at least 10, 12 feet away. Everywhere I went that year, I had a very specific odor. Somewhere along the way that first year, about seven months into it, my wife came to me and said, I'm pregnant again. She was crying. Because that first year stank, and we were going to have another one. So here's what I did. I began to pray. And I prayed for the the, the hurling to stop, but what in reality happened was that 20-some years later, Amanda had a baby that hurled more. (laughs) 
Fridays were my day to watch her. And of course, you know that when Friday came would be the day when she'd be the most prolific. And one Friday morning, I heard her awake, and I walked up the steps to where her room was, and I looked in that room, and, and there was vomit on the floor, in her cage, I mean her bed, and uh, <laughs> on the wall, and I mean just covered. You know, she'd started to eat some solid food and mixed it up with that other milky stuff, and uh, I mean, I, I can't describe for you the carnage and how widespread it was. And when I walked into the room, she said the only word she knew. And she held her hands out, Dada. And now I'll tell you what I wanted to say. Dada, nothing. <laughs> you get cleaned up. You fix this mess you've made and come down and see me. But what I did instead was to reach in that bed and pull her to me and got messy. Because daddy is bigger than a mess, isn't he? You believe that? Do you believe that God is bigger your heavenly father, your daddy, is bigger than your mess. So why in the world would you allow your past, your mess, to rob you of joy? Why would you allow something that Jesus has already died for to rob you of your peace? Why would you allow something that God has already forgiven and forgotten to dictate your future? It's not about the mess. It's not about the past. It's about a God who unconditionally loves his children and plans a beautiful future for Finally, today in Christ, we have freedom. Freedom not because of our performance, loved not because of our performance, but because of our position. In Christ, we are free. Jesus came to proclaim freedom was the heartbeat of his ministry. Everywhere he went, he said, I want, to, I want to make a new covenant with you. I want to offer you a new testament, tell you a new story. You have believed God is like this, and I want to tell you how God really is. You've believed that God desires your sacrifice. God desires to give you mercy, to give you mercy. Until the time of Christ, people had lived under the restraints of the law. We still do that today. We still base who we are on how good we are. We still believe that if we perform well, if we live well, if we follow the commandments, that we'll be in God's grace and God's mercy. And when you live by the law, You wilt, you perish by the law. 
because nobody in this room will ever be good enough to be free in Christ. Nobody in this room ever really deserves that unconditional love that I talked about because we have a past. We have dents in our life. We have messes in our life. We have sin in our life, and we will never, ever be good enough to please God. Think about it. What could you do to impress God? (laughs) What could you do? You'll never be good enough. Your performance will never measure up. So Jesus said we're no longer going to live under the law, which disappointed greatly the church in that day because it was all about law. And I've been in places and talked to people. I've talked to people here at times who say without saying that it's not about grace. It's about the law. But they're wrong. Jesus came, offered himself as a living sacrifice, proclaiming unconditional love, offering forgiveness, and it came as a result of grace. When you are in Christ, what allows you to take the old and make it new, what it allows you, what allows you to become a brand new person in Him is His grace. Today, if you're still living in the past, if you're still trying to overcome mistakes that you made years ago, if there's still secrets and burdens and worries and and shame that that just kind of quench you of your joy, Would you remember that you are a product of God's grace? And it's not that you'll ever be good enough. It's simply that he is. And that he loves you enough to die for you. And you can walk confidently today because you're covered. You're wallowing in his grace. I don't deserve to be forgiven. I don't deserve to be unconditionally loved. I don't have anything that's really valuable about me. I don't deserve freedom. But Jesus made it possible for me to have it. He gave that to me. And he wants to give it to you. Today, would you determine not to go that way, but to start walking this way, following him to freedom? Would you determine that you're not going to allow Satan to keep bringing up your past? You're going to allow Jesus to lead you to a future that includes heaven. Your past is over. Claim your future. It's your birthright from your daddy. Pray with me. Father, we come to this moment in the service where we respond. 
we've heard your word, we've felt your spirit, and, and, and we're convicted that there are things that have to change in our life. We're tired of being that old person, struggling, broken, lost. And the good news is that everything can change, that you made it possible. Everything can change. We can be made new in you. We can lay down our burdens, lay down our sin, lay down those nights of worry and anxiety. And we can realize how valuable, how much you love us, that you have a beautiful future planned for us. So give us the strength and courage, Father, right now to step into grace, to step into salvation, to follow you. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand. And as we sing this invitation, this altar's open. I'll be here to receive you. I know God wants to make you new. God doesn't want you to leave here defeated and discouraged. He wants to make you a winner. Come pray at this altar. Come share in communion. What a beautiful day to say, this is what Jesus did for me. And I want to honor that and remember that by sharing in communion. But don't leave here a product of your past. Leave here today excited about tomorrow and eternity.